Florida is in the house. Caroline Marks, congratulations. You are a world motherfucking champion. <laughs> wow, that sounds great. Um, best day of my life. Does it sound real? Uh, yeah, I mean, wow. Yeah, I, I did. I've always believed in myself, but I just like, just to do it though is a whole different ball game. And so it's just like, it feels so surreal. And I'm just like, over, it's, it's a surreal feeling, honestly. I don't even know if it's sunken in yet. I'm just really stoked and like, want to go party. I don't know. You just won a world title and uh, just to set the scene here, you've just jumped in your car in the athletes area. You're driving yourself home. That's yeah. fucking boring as shit. <laughs> You're the champ, dude. Get someone to drive you home. I need a shower. I smell like shit. You got 14 brothers. Get one of them to drive you home. I do. You're right. No, we're, don't worry. Someone's going to be driving me home tonight if I remember what happens tonight. But hey, it's going to be great. And then uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. You should come. You should, everyone should be there. Everybody is invited. Everyone's going to be there. I'm yeah. going to be there. From all of us at Stab, Marksy, congratulations. Oh. You are the champ. Thank you. Psyched. Woo! <laughs> Mikey C, the women's world title is back on the East Coast for the first time since 1997. You must be proud. I sure am. Um, was that Lisa Anderson? Had to be. Correct. Had to be. Okay. Before that, I think Frida Zamba has like four world titles from Florida. Florida in general, I said this on Instagram, Florida's wave quality to world title ratio is fucking mm. baffling. Yeah. Even the surfers that haven't even won the world titles, they're, you know, still the level is, the density is crazy unbelievable yeah the lopez brothers geiselman brothers more recently um freaking rasta rob at this point bunch of older guys too that were like so so good throughout the years so yeah i don't know what florida's got in the water but they have to be like no other place that has an actual clump of world champions could have anywhere near as bad of waves as florida i know what it has in the water it has alligators mikey makes you surf fast and better (laughs) than everyone else i was on the cobbles you were on the web how did it look I had so much fun watching finals day. Granted, my experience was like a little bit frantic. I was literally moving house that day and also tending to a sick wife. So yeah, it was a little bit tough to like sit down and crack a beer and enjoy. But when I did get to have those little moments in between and I saw action happening, it was like so freaking exciting. So I think that, I mean, obviously so much better than last year, just the waves make all the difference in the world when it comes down to this event and any event really. But I really enjoyed it overall. I thought it was a great experience. How was it on your end? Uh, so many emotions. Holy smokes. That was, um, Crazy day, crazy day, crazy lead up, crazy day. Um, my first thought was after about six waves, I was so over it. I was like, far out. Cutty, cutty finish, cutty, cutty finish. I was just not fired up at all. Got a couple of coffees under me. I reckon the performance lifted, performances lifted, and it was a very, very enjoyable day. Yeah, uh, we actually... We have a story up on the site right now. I'm kind of getting off course already, but like there's this guy um, who's also from New Jersey, like myself, that posted up on the beach on the cobblestones at like 5.15 a.m. And he ended up getting adopted by the Toledo family. Like the Toledo family set up their whole entire camp around him. (laughs) So he just ended up surrounded by all the Brazilians. They like fully brought him in though. They like gave him hats, t-shirts, and he was just like one of the crew. So I think everybody probably had a slightly different experience on finals day, depending on whether they were, you know, roaming around or kind of locked in one spot. But what were you doing? Um, what was I doing? Um, down there really early. Um, you know, I didn't wait for the call or anything. We, we've had some, 
obligations to fulfill and some things to do. And we got those done and then, um, yeah, got settled in. So I, uh, I didn't know where to stand. I'll be honest. I was like hated standing still. I was so overcome by like everything that was on the line. I was just such a wreck for like the first 90 minutes, two hours. Uh, it wasn't until the sun came up to a, a respectable height in which you could crack a beer that it sort of took the edge off and you could actually, you know, enjoy the day for, for what it was. as just being like a spectator rather than like someone who's got to worry about wave counts or something like that. Yeah. Well, you were, I mean, you know, somewhat still in Australia time. So I guess that would be kind of like, oh, I guess it'd be like, what, 3 a.m. or something in Australia? No, there's no excuse. But okay, here's my biggest takeaway. I really think that if you did not find yourself like invested in or enjoying the WSL finals day, you're not really a surf fan. You're kind of just a hater. Like I get things could be better. Yeah, sure. It could end at 10 foot pipeline. You know what I mean? Like that's the dream, but this is still really good, man. We saw some incredible surfing. We saw some incredible heats, like the fight between Felipe and Ethan. We'll, we'll get to that, but like, it was just, that's like peak surfing. You know what I mean? It's not getting giant barrels, sure. But as far as performance goes, I mean, it just doesn't get much better than that. So WSL finals to me this year was was really awesome overall. And with that, should we get into some come-ups? All right. So first and foremost, Ethan Ewing just defied all odds. Um, we, we know how good of a surfer he is, but coming off that back injury, I didn't expect that much. And what he did, I mean, that was some of the best surfing he's ever done in my eyes. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree. There was a little more kind of zap in a few of those calves where, you know, he's letting the tail go and a bit of variety. And even the blow tail Larry finishes, a couple of them were incredible. Absolutely. Biggest come up of the whole event for sure was him. And just how like in control he looked every time he stood up, he just had this authority about him, like even paddling into the wave, you know, there was nothing tentative about his day at all. He, he knew exactly what he had to do and he nearly did it, man. That opening heat with Philippe was insane and his run to that point was incredible as well. It's That was that was where I stopped being a little bit underwhelmed was when I, I started watching him surf. Yeah, so... That's when the day got good. You actually caught up with Richie Lovett who is a former lowers champ and also was commentating that day and he had some thoughts on Ethan as well. So let's give it a listen. As we hear the tones in the background of the San Clemente surf liner, it was 20 years ago to the day yesterday that Richie Lovett overcame... Taj Burrow. Taj Burrow in the final. Kelly in the semi? No, it was um, Taylor Knox in the semi. Wow. What a day, Rich. Was the train going through when you are belting those motherfuckers? <laughs> yeah, it was actually. It's a good sound. I like it. It's good. You've been walking around the chicken skin all day, mate. How's the how's the emotions? Uh, it's a radical day, actually, to be on site for it. You, you definitely can't help but get caught up in what the heck is going on. And I, I think it was a... Um, fuck, we saw some amazing surfing, you know, some really good heats. There wasn't many heats where it was like, no, oh, this is just someone's just dominating. They were all really competitive. Um, I think the level of surfing was really high. In particular, that first exchange of Ethan and Toledo I think it's one of the best uh, best heats I've ever had to call and I've ever watched um, love seeing Eth just rise to the occasion you know he had a shocker last year and bounced back really well Philippe was always going to be super hard to beat um, 
really not surprising, but everyone is talking about Ethan and the surfing that he did out here. I think take away the back injury out of it, just what he was doing was absolutely incredible. And I said on the webcast, he's, he's almost created a new style of surfing, which is progressive power. Um, and I love it. It's my style of surfing. I grew up idolising Mick and Joel and just not even really commenting on their surfing, just enjoying it. But as, you know, the, the years have gone on, it, it's sort of starting to get into my mind frame. Like, Ethan is better. Yeah. I, I'd love to know what you think. Yeah, I think he's better. Um, when you look at how Mick approaches the wave, it's very similar to that. But um, Ethan's kind of corking out the end of that turn a little bit more than Mick was doing. Um, Mick was like full precision um, to the point of like full appreciation, but Ethan's pushing it to the point where you're kind of like going, how's he doing that, you know? He's powering up to about seven-eighths of a turn and then he, that last eighth he just lets go. You know, he's pointing the nose of the board, pointing the tail of the board, sorry, towards the shore and then within, you know, half a second he's whipping it back under himself. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, it's again, my style of surfing. I love it. It's pure. Um, and I think this is amazing for him. Great for his confidence and probably fueling his fire a little bit more. So better than Mick and Joel. It's a big call, but I, I don't think you're wrong. I just am interested to know what people like Richie think because I, I have Mick and Joel in this place of just like hero worship, you know, and then I'm watching Ethan live and then I'm kind of watching old clips or whatever and I'm starting to think like, oh, I wonder what someone like Richie thinks of this. And Ethan, Mick was in Ethan's corner as well as Snips this event and just looking at Mick and Ethan side by side, Ethan's got a couple inches in height and a good couple of kilos in body weight and he's doing very similar style of surfing to Mick as far as how precise and technical it is but he's just got a bigger frame and there's just this added power to it that you can just feel it when he's ripping through a turn and I guess that's the main difference for me is I watch Ethan and I know he gets a lot of comparisons which you know for right or wrong it's like he's one of the greatest ever to do it on the wave face without a doubt after watching that the other day no he's I mean in in not giant waves I think he probably is the best ever I don't think anybody has turned as fast as unsharp of an angle or like with that same amount of power. And then also he gets this release that, you know, Mick and Joel, they had, but they didn't do it quite the same as Ethan, I think. Like, I think he's in a different realm right now. Um, we had somebody, we do this every year, but we bring in a writer who is not a surf writer who um, in many cases has nothing to do with surfing whatsoever. This year, this person had some surf writing experience before, and we'll get to, to her a little bit later. But one of the lines she wrote, it wasn't necessarily about Ethan surfing, but it very well could have and should have been. So she wrote, you know when you're seeing moments of anti-gravity or province in surfing. Even if you have no sophisticated knowledge of the sport, you can see the aura of impossibility at certain moments, like St. Elmo's fire. And that to me is like kind of what watching Ethan is like. Like you, I, it's hard for us because we're so close to surfing, but I swear even somebody who hadn't, you see him surf against like a Joao or even a Griffin. We'll get to that. But it's just, it's like a different thing. Um, and so what he was doing out there was absolutely incredible. Um, so that was my first come up. Stacy, um, do you have any more that you want to bring up before I get to my last one? I liked how good Katie Simmers looked. Uh in in the whole roundup of the day you know she's very 
couldn't be further from what the WSL are trying to create here. It was as, as regards to like hype and the brands as well, creating hype and noise and, and, and all this thing. And she kind of walks out on the podium, head down is like clapping Molly Picklin when Molly walks out and Molly's, you know, in the athlete zone of just fire breathing, ready to kill. And Katie's kind of just so unassuming. And I just wondered how that would translate into her actual surfing. And, you know, a couple of waves in, we're thinking, okay, cool. She looks like she's feeling it. Hopefully she can turn it around. And she did. I thought she looked amazing. And for how young she is and how, she, how good she looked in those big moments, um, really, really positive signs for her over the next couple of years. However, they decide to run this world title format moving forward. Like this experience for her is going to going to give her a lot of lot of uh, confidence moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I know there are some detractors about the WSL finals, but I don't think the WSL is going to change its course. Nor do I necessarily think they should. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, that one wave that Katie had against uh, Molly was incredible. She basically it looked like she was on the path to having that same exact wave against Caroline. And she just dug a rail. And if she doesn't dig a rail there, I think Caroline loses that heat and the day changes entirely. Who knows what could have or would have happened, um, you know, if that didn't go that way. But unfortunately, Katie, you know, it it wasn't her day. But I think that's almost fitting for it to just, like, go like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost, again, Dane Reynolds-esque. She finished fourth in the world. Um, that was Dane's best ever finish in the CT. I don't think that will be Katie's best ever finish, but it's sort of that like lackadaisical, like just paddle out, try to surf my best on every wave and see what happens sort of energy that <laughs> we all love watching so much. So I think that's a really good one. Um, but as far as the women go, you just can't look past what Caroline did. I mean, she was far and away the best female surfer today. And to me, that was one of the best backhand performances I've ever seen by a woman. No, for sure. There was similar to Ethan, like Caroline just had this energy about her when she was squaring up off the bottom, there was no hesitation into what she was going to do and putting her board like high up in the lip, turning her tail through the lip, pushing super hard, like as much variety as you could have on the back end, mixing up the calves and the in the lip finishes. There's just a clear difference on a, on a day like that when you can see when someone's on and when someone's thinking about what they're doing. And, and, and Caroline wasn't thinking. She was just getting it done. It was epic. Yeah. So not only did she win the world title, she also qualified for the Olympics, which is huge for obvious reasons. And it'll be in Tahiti, which is a wave she's really comfortable at. She just won there. So she's got to be, I mean, obviously she's enjoying this moment and relishing it, but she's also got to be thinking a little bit forward to that as well. Um, we caught up with, or you caught up with Brett Simpson, who broke down her win a little bit more and the flip side of that as well. So let's listen. It's uh, it was a good day. I would say they were, you know, you see in this in this format, someone gets rhythm, and especially on the women's side, we see where they build, they start to build, and I think that's it's been a case. Carissa hasn't really been able to come out and find the uh, find her feet, you know, and I think that's the challenge of this of this format. But Felipe, I think you know, at this venue, he doesn't have lapses as much, and I think that is the part where. It uh, Ethan came on strong. He uh, he undertook Griff, which was a, a big heat right there, and then he came on where his rail surfing is is the edges and the you know the angles he takes is bar none probably the best in the world. So pretty stoked to see Marksy get one up. Twenty one years old, Florida. That's pretty insane. I love Marksy. Uh, I got to spend time with her at the Olympics. Hard pressed not to come home with a, a gold, silver, or bronze. And she's been super close this whole this whole last few years. Went through a lot, 
and for her to like catapult on top, I'm proud of her. I mean, I'm an American kid. I, I mean, to have it back on mainland soil is huge for us. And I think, I think she might not have really believed it, but man, she's so comfortable out here, and and hey, well deserved. I'm proud of her. So Brett is obviously one of the U.S surf team coaches and you can tell he's really excited that caroline made it for you know like i mean obviously if you, if you want to win the olympics you want to have your best barrel riders presumably your best goofy foots as well like katie did super well in tahiti this year and i'm sure she would continue to get better and better but i think caroline's a really really strong move and they can still get katie because remember the women's uh u.s team is going to have three total surfers carissa Caroline, and then whoever they choose basically for that third slot. We've heard some whispers about how that might happen, but we don't know anything for sure yet. So that was Caroline. Um, Just again, incredible performance, 21 years old. She obviously came back to from, it sounds like a pretty rough, you know, year where she was dealing with a lot of personal stuff. She obviously came onto the tour younger than anyone before. She started off really strong, but I think that doing anything at that young of an age, at that high of a level and those expectations, it's going to have an impact on you. And for her to be smart enough to take that time off and then come back stronger and in her first full year win the world title, that's just an incredible, incredible journey for her. Well done, Caroline. And then last but not least on the come-ups, I mean, how do you not talk about Felipe Toledo? I'm saying he's the best overall performance surfer that we've ever seen in the same way that Ethan is doing better uh, surfing than Mick and Joel were in that capacity. Felipe Toledo all around, I don't think anybody's ever done what he's done from matching basically Ethan's carves to then mixing in all the airs that you could possibly want to do. It literally looks to me when he's surfing in this event and any event really that he can just do anything that his mind wants. Like his body can achieve whatever his mind wants to do on a wave. And that's pretty fucking fantastic. Yeah. He's definitely got all the tricks in the bag. And like you said, he has a pretty high level of confidence considering that it must be difficult to sit there and wait for your heat to start all day. Like particularly for Philippe, he is a momentum surfer. But what he's done out there in the last two years and how he's been able to come on and show his pretty close to his best surfing straight off the bat in those opening heats against, a, say, a surfer like Ethan who's coming in with that momentum with a few heat wins, like that's the that's the real special part about that. Um, but I don't know. When I see him, I, th- I think he's the most just, at least right now, I think Gabby used to be this guy for me, but I think right now Felipe is the most confident surfer in the world, just in the sense of he feels like he could not surf for a week and paddle out and get a nine on his first wave, no problem. Like there's no question or doubt in his mind of what he's capable of doing on a surfboard. So I think if you put him in the first heat of the day, yeah, he's going to win that heat, but he may not do what he did in the final against Ethan, but because he knows that he doesn't have to just yet, and he wants to build up that, like, sort of the tension and everything, and then just let it all release in the finals. Like, you look at the number of 10s that he has in finals versus other heats, it's pretty wild considering, you know, that just the amount of finals you get to surf versus other heats, and I bet his number of 10s in each is pretty similar. Yeah, exactly. He's got to 10s by building momentum. Well, again, I just, I think that could be more intentional than than you're understanding. So like when he comes into this event, he knows he's already in the final. Then I'm understanding. What am I not fucking understanding, dude? I, he's gnarly. All I'm saying is to sit there stone cold and paddle out. I don't give a fuck who you are. That is hard to do. Hard to do. And when you've got a rampaging surfer coming towards you, it takes an extra special bit of, you know, knowing yourself to, to right. get that done. Well, we talked a lot 
before this event in our last podcast about the criteria or not criteria, depending on how you want to look at it, but what the WSL sent out to surfers before this event. And it was very air heavy. And I think we saw the best possible example of this in the first real exchange between Ethan and Felipe in their first heat, where Felipe goes on the first wave of the set, which, by the way, pretty much the people who won in the first wave of the set lost all day long, and Felipe just did not care. Um, and he, he does a big carve, and then he goes and does a big air to the flats. It's an incredible wave. And then right behind him, Ethan, on a better, cleaner, steeper wave, does two of the best turns that we saw all day. And in my mind, this was the judge's opportunity to really like make their claim about what they're looking for out there. And it turns out, after a day of really not seeing any airs at all, they did favor that uh, with Felipe. It was baffling the lack of airs to that point. I was pretty... Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that more when we get to a different surfer. But um, how did you feel about that? Because a lot of people thought that um, even, you know, in like stab group chat, some people thought that Ethan should have won that exchange. You know, people are saying that anybody on the QS can do an air reverse, but nobody in the QS can do those turns that Ethan was doing. And I think there's something to that but I also think there's something to judging is all contextual. Again, we get to the fact that these are human beings. They're watching these incredible turns all day long. They haven't seen an air. So when somebody goes out and does it, they almost have to reward it. You know what I mean? If, if those waves, if you could say those waves are actually equal on face value, it makes sense that they would give Felipe's a little bit of a bump over the person who's doing the same thing that they've done all day long. Yeah, I don't know. T- Ethan won the first exchange in the, fi- in the final heat. It was a seven three three to a seven. So you, you have to be, you know, you've got to be careful what you're saying there. Philippe won the next exchange. Well, I'm talking about the one where it was the, the nine and the um, the eight, whatever, for Ethan. Like the one where it was they caught two waves in the same set back to back, and they were very clearly, they were both two maneuver waves. They were like this, the closest two waves you could have together and have them be like comparing errors versus turns and how the judges were going to score it. So that's the one I'm referencing. For sure. Yeah, I think at that point, though, you've also got to factor into like, oh, who do we think should be winning this heat? And I think that comes into it as well, because both surfers then have two waves. Um, I'm with you, though. That exchange could have gone either way. Uh, And I think the judges, they almost have to stand by what their, uh, you know, MO was at the start of the week. Yeah, so... uh at the end of the day, people are always going to have their opinions. I think Felipe absolutely deserved to win. What he can bring to waves on the air, getting above the lip front, it just sets him apart from Ethan. Ethan's doing, I would say, maybe 5 to 10% better turns in the face. Um, like, noticeable, but not, not big enough for it to really matter when Felipe is going to a whole different realm of surfing, in my mind. No, not at all, exactly. What, what Felipe can do is a combination and the variety that he's got above the lip and on the face is... It's going to be very, very hard to beat. And it's also worth noting, like, so many people love to complain about the WSL finals and especially that it's ending at lowers and that, you know, Felipe is a small wave surfer or whatever. But just remember, Felipe, the two years that he's won a world title, he's gone into that event as the number one seed. So even if it was the normal way of a tour where you just do it based off of 10 events, Felipe is still the world champion. So for anybody who's trying to throw, like, asterisks around on his name, it's just so baffling to me. Oh, for sure. He's a, a, a valid world champ. And, you know, he's shown that year after year. Like, where he is strong, he's better than anyone. It's just in the, the, the stops around the world where, you, where we know he's got a bit to you know, lift. And, and that's, I think, where people make the comments about his validity. But, 
you won't hear those comments from me. I, 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 I do genuinely love his surfing. And I know it hurts that he doesn't get a big wave at Chopu, but hey, no one's perfect, Mikey. <laughs> so I do have one gripe with Felipe, and that is that he ruined my joyride. Uh, we did a joyride on the Inferno FT, which is his quad model, and we filmed it before the WSL finals. And we filmed it talking about him as a two-time world champion on this surfboard, just kind of expecting what was going to happen. Uh, and it was planning to release on uh, Monday today, and I think it still is. But I was so rattled when he caught his first wave in that first heat, and he throws an air at the end, and I see three fins on the bottom of that board. I was like, no, you motherfucker. I even talked to him. We were in Nicaragua earlier this year, and I was like, so you're going to ride the quad at lowers again this year? He's like, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, sick. So it was all lined up in my mind and, and everything was perfect. But now he rode the 77 instead. So it kind of threw my joy right off, but I, I think it's still going to be um, a worthwhile viewing. So you can check that out on the site as well. Yeah, I did notice that as well. And I was like, ooh, he's, uh, he's iced the magic quad. Yeah. So anyway, congratulations to Felipe, Caroline, and Ethan. Just amazing performances all. Now it's time to get into some letdowns. I mean, you can't look past Carissa Moore, and it's more of a letdown for herself, I think, than than any. Like nobody's like judging her, or you know what I mean, or pissed at her. It's just it's so sad for two years in a row for you to go into that event as the number one seed, and this year not by so much. Last year by a pretty good margin, um, and she just again just looked so from the from the first heat with Caroline. You know, she was picking the wrong waves. And even when she was on the wave, she just looked kind of like defeated. I don't know how to explain it, but she didn't have that spark that she normally has. She looked a little bit slow in comparison to to Caroline. And I wonder if it was just all that pressure weighing her down. She got a wave in the morning that I was convinced of that she was not going to lose the title that day, no matter what she had to. Um... And what changed? Well, I mean, that's that's something I have no answer to, but... I do know that a lot of people love getting a good warm-up wave. I find it a big trap. I think the warm-ups are, there's no point. <laughs> At that, you know, in the morning before the day starts, you've done so much hard work and so many things going into that day. Like, whatever waves you get in that morning really don't mean a thing. However, people do get a big kick out of getting a good warm-up wave, and Carissa did. Like, easily the best women's wave I saw ridden all day, bar none. Like two huge hacks with this like Ethan Ewing style blowtail drop wallet finish. And I just went, wow, there's no way. She walks up the cobbles now just feeling 10 feet tall, um, headphones on, and, and it's, this, is a, this is a done deal. So yeah, to answer your question, I, I can't. I don't know what happened between then and there. Um, I don't know of her movements. I don't know if she hung around and watched all day or, or went home. Um, that could have something to do with it. But yeah, mighty disappointing just given the fact of how dominant she was in the regular season, um, can't help but feel for her. That's a, it's a, yeah, it's a tough one, really tough one. Yeah, so that's two years in a row. And honestly, she got pretty lucky the first year. Like, we've talked about it so much, but Tati lands that turn, and that's three world titles lost in the WSL finals. Um, so, you know, some people are saying that right now she should be a seven-time world champion. She should be tied with uh, Steph and Lane and rightly or wrongly that's just not how the surfing world works anymore so coulda shoulda woulda i suppose but if you're carissa right now and 
I think this hinges um, largely on where the WSL finals are held. And we know that on September 20th, the WSL is going to release its schedule for 2024 and potentially a little bit beyond. So we don't know where it's going to be next. But I mean, if this thing comes back to lowers, uh, is Carissa even like, is, is there a consideration of, you know, calling it quits and just, you know, I had a good run, but this is just not for me anymore? Uh, it depends how she looks at it, really. Like, it depends if she's still got the love there or not. Um, she's obviously got a challenge that she needs to overcome here with, with pulling in her best performances on this day. And if she likes the look of that challenge, she'll sign up to it and likely overcome it. She's she's just too good not to. Um, however, she might look at that and go, no, nah, you know what? It's not for me. I've, I've had a great run and yeah, I'm out. So um, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer or even any insight to how that might be going down in her camp. But it's really hard to break it down into bite-sized pieces when you've put so much on the line and you've put, you know, your whole career into those moments. But, you know, if you do and, and you can make it a simple equation and, and something you can get over, then for sure she can do it. Absolutely. I wonder if there's something to like purposely not uh, finishing first at the end of a season for her. If she went into it with that strategy next year, you know, finish second or third or something, maybe that would help her. And you also just... I mean, she seems like, you know, the sweetest, kindest person, probably never heard a fly. I feel like for this to happen, like, you have to go home and, like, break something physically, right? Like, you have to release this somehow or else it's just going to fucking eat you inside. Yeah, I mean, every everybody handles it differently. It'd be a very, very difficult one to digest. Um, I would definitely break something. <laughs> so, okay. That was Carissa. I think that there's probably more discussion to be had there, but we'll save it for another time, maybe maybe a site piece in the near future. Uh, moving on to another letdown, and this one might hit a little bit close to home to you, who's wearing a Griffin for Champ hat as we chat right now, but Griffin Colapinto, um, I, I assume that you're going to push back against this, but I think that all of the marketing and propaganda might have actually hurt him. How so? Have you ever heard the story of Icarus and Daedalus? Sounds like I should have. Indulge me. Well, you should have because it's a Greek myth, and I believe you're partially Greek. Um, Icarus and Daedalus, I believe they were humans, um, but they they fastened these wings out of, you know, I don't know, some wood, some feathers, some glue, and Icarus and Daedalus, they went and they learned to fly with these wings, and it was incredible. They could fly around. But the one thing was they couldn't get too close to the sun because if they got too close to the sun, the glue that held everything together would melt away. And that's exactly exactly what happened to Icarus. Icarus flew too close to the sun. His wings broke and he crashed and he burned. And I think that, you know, so we, we look at all this stuff that happened with Griffin. There was the Matthew McConaughey video, which was great, by the way. I fucking, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, there were all the fans on the beach. There were the, there was the boat out the back with the Go Griffin. There was the stuff on the highway. There was all this. And, and it felt like in his mind, like it was his day and it was destined. And that he talked about that clearly. Um, and I really think that it sort of got in his head and he thought that he couldn't lose. And then he goes up against Ethan and I think he claimed every single wave he surfed, including like the five that he got on the left. And it just, it really felt like he was just kind of a little bit high on his own supply and he, he just wasn't surfing at the same level as Ethan. And in order to beat Ethan, in my mind, it was so clear that he had to go to the air and he just never did. 
and that was why he lost because I think he felt invincible. It's a great story you tell there, but you could have said the last six words without the story, and that was it. He needed to use his strengths to beat Ethan, and I don't think he did to his best, and that's all it came down to. Um, The energy around the town during the day and the lead-up to it was nuts, And, and and I think that if you don't grab a hold of that, if you tried, if he tried to hide from it, I, I think it would have had a worse effect on on his overall performance. I actually think his performance was pretty good. He he looked really good on the set waves that he rode, but Jack Robinson and Griffin Colapinto tried to surf into their heats. And I just don't believe you could have done that on a day like today. You needed to be on the set waves and control that rhythm from the start. That's what Ethan Ewing did. And that's what Philippe Toledo did. And that's to my point about how cool Philippe is and how he wins. He didn't need to surf into a heat. He didn't even need to surf into his day. Just made it happen. And yeah, you're right. Griffin gets a wave at the start. It's a five. That's just a feat in the wax wave for him. You can say he claimed it, man. He was like 3,000 of his mates about 20 meters away from him. He's waving to his boys. Like, without a doubt. He's not claiming a five. <laughs> He's not doing that. It's it's definitely looked weird on camera because we watched the replays last night. It looks like he's claiming every wave. You can say whatever you want. It's It was like a college football game or something down there on the rocks. It was insane. Crew had vuvuzelas and air horns and like all kinds of shit. Like it was proper, proper fanfare. And it was, uh, you know, it was a cool one to be a part of. Yeah, definitely copped a lot of heat from a lot of Australians about the day. Um, But hey, that's all good because I'm actually a Kiwi. (laughs) A Kiwi Greek. So I actually, the the one thing that I really do agree with you with is that he was better off leaning in to everything than shying away from it. I don't think he had any choice, but to kind of like ride that red wave. Unfortunately, I think that it was also his downfall. Like, yeah, I think that he just, it's, yeah, to your point, it's as simple as he needed to go bigger. He needed to surf. It seemed like he was trying to surf within himself and he needed to surf a little bit out of body to win against Ethan on that level. So that was how it came. And I think Griffin, as he does with every loss or every hardship that he comes across, he'll learn a lot from it. I don't think this is the last time that we'll see him in contention. I would not be surprised at all if he goes on to win one or two or three world titles over the years. Um, So I wish him the best. I just think that, yeah, this day, everything, the way that it all went together, just wasn't really in his favor. Um, So those are my letdowns. Anyone for you? So with the whole like, blow up of it all and so many negative comments online i must say about the uh support for griffin it's like unbelievable because firstly the wsl have set this day in the sand for the last three years if like people that are fans of their surfers and whatnot don't have time to get prepared and organize these types of campaigns and i think we might be missing the point a little bit um there's there's every reason to get behind the people that you support. And I think it's a, it's a great thing. And particularly for Australians, like we, we're very like much different to how the American culture rolls over here with supporting things. But to be a part of this one and watch it roll down was insane. And to be honest, I'm surprised we don't see more of it. Like in all honesty, the WSL want to create a spectacle and Griffin's camp and friends and family and sponsors created that. And I think that, would be surprised to not see more of that in the future. If there's a day set in stone to roll this thing out, why not get why not get into it? 
Secondly, hiding Griffin from all of this is something that like his management and, and Quicksilver have been, you know, not hiding him, but wanting to make sure that his time is used wisely and, and in the things that matter to him. And so to put that McConaughey piece together, we had some help from Damien Farrenfort and Strider Wozolewski, as well as the creative team at Quicksilver. We were just going to borrow Griffin's car to drive around San Clemente just to, so that he didn't have to bother. He was just going to leave his keys in the letterbox and we were just kind of going to dummy it. He didn't want to come. He was getting some work done or whatever. He just wanted to relax. Day before the finals, of course, of course, mate, relax. We don't, we don't need you. We can get this done without you. We showed him a draft of what we had and he just looked at me and goes, oh, give me the fucking keys. Let's go. <laughs> and so I think that's a good indication of where his head was at like he was so psyched to get all around of all of this you know Kolohe and Biolis threw on a night uh, you know Quicksilver Red Bull Oakley all of others Griffin sponsors threw a night it was you know like I said if you tried to hide from it I don't think that would have worked no and I think by the way like hats off to you guys uh who did all the work behind this stuff like it was incredible and again people are going to hate on everything but the fact that they're hating means that you guys made a big enough splash for them to even care. So well done to, to Quicksilver and you and, and everybody else who had a hand in that. Um, I also, I want to just go to one more quote from our uh, WSL piece that was written by, again, the outside writer. Her name is Sintra Wilson. She's a New York Times writer, among other, other things. But she, in reference to uh, Griffin's loss, she said, Griff took the loss well and seemed gracious, unfazed, and full of positive vibrations. In short, nothing at all like Sonny Garcia, who was much more fun to watch losing in the bad old days because he was potentially violent. And <laughs> I just really enjoyed that line. Um, I think that surfing has changed so much over the years and in a lot of ways for the better. And like you see Jack and uh, Griffin taking on these sort of like Eastern philosophies, bringing that into their competitive mindset. And it's really cool. But there was also something about people who wanted to beat down the door. Um, so yeah, that's one more thing there. And before we do anything else, Stacy. Yeah, on that, I had to seek counsel in Reef McIntosh during the day, actually, because like known Ethan since he was 10 years old. I've known Griffin since he was about 15 and worked for Griffin. And I just found myself in this horrible, um, you know, push and pull pattern of like, oh my God, this is intense. And I text Reef and I was like, oh, what were the Andy Kelly days like? Reef is obviously sponsored by Quicksilver, but he's from Kauai, you know, and he's like, <laughs> it's obviously allegiance to Andy. And he just wrote back, I'll kill you, Kelly. <laughs> and I was like, wow, things have changed so much. Um, so yeah, they indeed they have. All right, well... Let's bring in, that was great. And, you know, another person that was really good at lightening the mood, you know, throughout finals day, throughout his entire tenure at the WSL is Strider Wazalewski. And you got to chat with him sometime during the event. So let's get in there. Was the fans want to see you surf, brother. You pulled back on a couple bombs in that break. What is going on? There's a couple messages coming across my headset. Don't go, don't mess up the backpack. Don't mess around. And I finally just sent it and went one. But you know, if you're a surfer, you're going to surf. You won the free surf. <laughs> I got one this morning that was good. Oh, I smashed one this morning. Did you see that one? What the fuck? We all saw Dude, I was stoked. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how was it from the water, brother? Oh, uh, it's always the best. It's always, uh, 
catch the vibes, you watch the actual nuances, and it's super impressive to watch the world's best do their thing at that proximity. And to me, nothing better. On your brother, we love your work. Love my job. Yeah, Strider, he's a classic. He um, has like those five-minute breaks in between each heat, and he just paddles to the top of the peak and just looked at about seven waves but didn't actually go. <laughs> he was just like toying with the crowd, you know. They're all, everyone's whistling him into the sets, and he's just like, nah, nah, nah. But yeah, he got one in the morning before the comp started, smashed it. I love how he's just like a surf addict like the rest of us, like just has to like even like push himself and like test his boundaries, like looking over the edge of waves and stuff. It's it's so good to see somebody like that who loves surfing so much in the position that he's in with the WSL. Like, you know, people like to get on the WSL about being a bunch of corporate suits that aren't even surfers, but Strider is as fucking surfer as it gets. And yeah, he's a little bit goofy sometimes, but he also just brings so much lighthearted, lighthearted entertainment to the webcast that he's just such good value. Um, also, great star in How Surfers Get Paid, so go give that a watch if you haven't. And now, getting on to the last segment, we have Gamble Ramble. Stacy, let's see how I did. I'm nervous, Mikey. How'd you go? Finals day wasn't my best day, I'll admit. I ended up losing $266. That was through both some bad heat picks and... A lot of it was actually, though, Carissa Moore losing. I had a lot of money on her to um, win the world title. I put 250 bucks on her in the beginning of the year, and I thought for sure that was going to come through, but Caroline Marks just pretty much stamped out my dreams. So I lost 266 on the day. However, I ended up making $4,558 on the year with BetOnline.ag. So they've obviously been our betting sponsor for the past two years. So shout out to BetOnline.ag. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good year for me. I don't know. I, I'm renovating a house at the moment, so maybe I'll just put the money toward that, I suppose. But I don't know if they're going to be back next year. I sure hope they are. They're a great partner. And I hope you guys made some money this year, well too. Well done, Mikey. Always good to finish in the black. You did it. I did it. All right. So again, if you want to get a little bit more WSL Finals content, we have that story on the site. It's called Magic Pixie Dust, Balletic Arms, and Anti-Gravity Movements at Lower Trestles, written by Cynthia Wilson. Again, she's a New York Times writer who has dabbled in surfing before. She actually wrote a 1999 Lacanal Pro comp report that has been heralded as one of the best uh, pieces of surf journalism ever by one Stab Premium commenter. That is how we ended up finding her for this piece. Um, Stab Premium commenter is Harry Potter. That's Harry H-A-I-R-Y. So thank you, Harry, for the heads up. Um, Cintra put a great piece together. And um, if you want to go give that a read, we're also going to be following up with some more content on the site about WSL Finals. So everything that you want to learn about that you haven't heard here, or maybe you have and you just want to see it in written form, can be found there. Stacy, anything else on the 2023 WSL Finals before we sign off? I am glad that is over. <laughs> Me too. But it was a really good run. And um, yeah, I guess we will see everyone in 2024. Well, two Challenger series is left, um, one coming up soon in Portugal, then Brazil. We'll obviously be following those to find out who makes the tour for next year as well. Oh, and in the Cintra piece, all the photography was done by Steve Sherman. That's T. Sherms. Uh, he's one of the most iconic surf photo photojournalists of all time. Speaking of Kelly and Andy, he shot that photo of uh, Andy and Kelly in the pipe house together. So he's been around for everything, and we really wanted to kind of commemorate this year. We knew it was going to be a special year, so we brought down a really spe special photographer to capture all those moments. And there's a couple incredible photos in there, one with Caroline Marks that just is... Um, 
I think that will probably be one that she has for the rest of her life. So go give those a look. They're in the same story as uh, Sintra's words. So that's all on the site. And until next year or until the next Challenger series, over and out.